0: Hey everyone, it's Jess. Just before we get started on this episode, a quick note to let you know we faced some unexpected audio challenges during the recording of this episode. Everything is still fully understandable, but rest assured we're fixing this issue for the next recording. Thanks and enjoy this episode.
1: You're listening to K&J Recaps.
0: Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things season three, episode 4, the sauna test. I am Jess. I am Kim. Hi, Kim. So we've talked a few times about you know the timing of this season coming out, the July fourth release date, and I just have to say, if I'm the Mind Flayer and I don't like the summer, maybe taking over everybody in July <laughs> was a poor choice. Like, I don't know
1: uh agree i mean like for someone who doesn't like the sun
0: (laughs) choose the winner why is this takeover not happening in december (laughs) and january i
1: (laughs) i know and i was like i was thinking uh like in that shot of billy who's covered head to toe in a sweatshirt or whatever and i'm like okay so you're not like directly under the sun but that can't be cool it can't you know just quit your job billy Really I also player. love that
0: a major tip-off that something's wrong with Billy is the fact that he's wearing clothes. I know. <laughs> when I have you I seen know. him with a shirt on? Yeah. Um, I mean, he
1: worked hard for that body. Who wants to show it
0: off? I, I think that's the whole reason why he's a lifeguard. Uh,
1: so <laughs> fair. It's certainly fair not enough. to uh, care and safeguard <laughs> for small children.
0: Oh, uh, so we are going to dive into all the amazingness that comes along with this episode, the sauna test. Uh, welcome back. If you've been following along, we've been going through episode by episode with our recaps we are at episode four already which is our midway point which is wow that's um i know right uh releasing one of these day by day and certainly if you have thoughts or feedback on what we're talking about please let us know that you're listening along kjrecaps.com feedback or follow us on facebook and twitter And also, if you are open to it, leave us a rating and review. It really helps us kind of have our podcast get found. We really appreciate uh, any help that you can give us there. And I'm excited to talk about this episode, Kim. It was a... It was a good one. Lots of action in this one. I know.
1: It was so good. Like, it was, it was like action packed. I cannot wait to talk about that big fight at the end.
0: Once again, our favorite characters were all almost killed. So we know it's a good episode when everyone was in severe mortal danger before the end of the episode. Yeah. Always. Definitely. Um, And yet no
1: one was killed. So that's great. Rest in peace, Bob. Rest in peace, Barb. (laughs) Are we going to have a Bob or a Barb this season, do you think? Who oh. starts with B? Billy. He's gonna die. Except we don't care about him that much.
0: I think Stranger Things brings with it one majorly impactful death every season. I right? I can't imagine we're getting through this scot free. Like you, this is why this show is so addictive and gets into your under your skin because you think it's super upbeat and funny, and then they take someone away that you've you know grown attached to in a really significant way. So someone's I We're gonna be in Really by the scared. End, yeah, for Scott yeah. Clark. Mm. Scott Clark. Oh
1: <laughs> it's always it's always kind of like the the like underdog.
0: It's always the nerds too. Like yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I don't know who the actual death is gonna be. I will have to think on it. Um, I think that it would have to be. I mean, someone on the edges. I don't think a main character is going to die. Um, But, I mean, someone close enough to the story that, like, as you mentioned, like, someone that we actually care about dying. So, I don't know. I will think on it.
0: Okay. Well, while we think about who is possibly headed for the permanent upside down, why don't we dive into this uh, cold open? Okay. Okay um
1: so Elle and Max are having another sleepover and as Elle is brushing her teeth she cannot stop thinking about everything that went down with Billy and with Heather it's still really not sitting right with her even though Max thinks everything's fine and that you know seeing Heather alive and well has kind of assuaged all her fears Elle just thinks like something is not right and that Billy seemed wrong when they saw him um, but ultimately they don't land on any conclusions here. They then distract themselves with some Wonder Woman. And Max makes a great point about like, this is why you have to hang around with, uh, people other than Mike, because now Max can introduce her to a wonderful female superhero, uh, Wonder Woman.
0: Yes, exactly. It's like, how do you not know who she is?
1: I know. It's really like they're, they're doing a good job of showing like Elle's, um, growth and yeah. progress in living in the real world, but also kind of giving us these reminders that she is still very unfamiliar with a lot of the things that is just second nature to a lot of the kids. Like right. in a later scene when Will is saying, "Like you know, when you drop really quick on a roller coaster," and they're like, "Yeah, and yeah," sure. and I yeah. was <laughs> <El's> like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I've never that."
0: Yeah. yeah um so meanwhile nancy and jonathan have called an ambulance for mrs driscoll and she is being taken away on a stretcher she is not going quietly but instead is screaming that she has to go back to eat more fertilizer
1: (laughs) yeah and then like as the ambulance passes by the like steel factory where the mine is, she she like reaches out out for it like that is where i want to be and uh Meanwhile, in that factory, Tom, the horrible uh, newspaper boss slash Heather's father, wakes up bound and gagged. He sees that his wife is also bound and gagged next to him. And when Heather and Billy remove their gags, which, of course, they need to in order for the Mind Flayer's sucker tentacle to attach to their face and mouth, um, he then begs Heather to let them go. He obviously has no idea what's happening, um, but she tells him there is no stopping it. And she and Billy walk calmly upstairs as the Mind Flayer steps out of the shadows and, like, hits him with a sucker tentacle. And, boom, body snatched.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yeah, that's a great one. Of course, this cold open scene and then the final scene that we get are really great counterpoints to this really excellent episode overall. So uh, we will talk more about the ongoing army of brainwashed people that is being built. It is
1: growing,
0: yeah, yeah, it really is um so the next morning after this is after the credits uh hopper is at home waking up after this you know fight that he lost with the Russian Joyce clearly got him back home, she said it was slowly um. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing great. Uh, he's puking into a bucket. He's also fully undressed. <laughs> so that raises a number of questions as to how that happened, which is great. I love this scene. Honestly, I'm here for all the Hopper Joyce moments. I, think.
1: I agree. Yeah. I mean, poor Hopper. This is not how he imagined his first time being in the buff with Joyce would be, I am sure. It is not his finest hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and... Well, and then there's this great part where she's written down part of the license plate that includes like two of the letters. And I love when she's like, can't you just like search for it? You know, in 2019, no problem with a computer algorithm that could probably process it so quickly. And in 1985, not so easily. But as soon as she says something like this will take weeks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, oh man, computer power has really
0: increased. (laughs) It's people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then when she says it's a motorcycle and he reacts, my first thought was that that means it's like a different license type, you know. It was an, and then, but no, it turns right. out it's because he remembers that that guy. He saw that guy at the um, mayor's place, obviously. But um, yeah, and also greatly is that apparently Hopper only owns one sheriff uniform, which is soaking yeah. wet from this journey that he went through, and therefore I'm pretty convinced that the rest of this season is going to be spent with him in this outfit of acid washed almost like very light jeans and yeah. this shirt that is he just... only
1: owns two outfits one sheriff's uniform and one like <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna call it like miami kendall
0: <laughs> yeah that a very good like like no shit l has never been shopping before hopper has never been shopping like i right
1: <laughs> What did he wear in past seasons? I feel like we saw him in something other than the sheriff's uniform. He must have had we worn really? flannel at some point. Yeah,
0: maybe. That's a good point. Maybe in that great scene of them cleaning up the cabin, because that's another favorite of mine of Hopper moments.
1: Who yeah. owns a log cabin and doesn't have a single flannel shirt that's he right. can put on? But whatever. This was probably just like the most convenient thing because he probably threw it on the floor from the night before. That's right. When he gave it And Joyce drunk. is just
0: like super super quick reaction to it too of like what are you wearing um
1: this was for you joyce (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's like i had my secretary buy this to impress you at the restaurant
1: oh hopper Um, so elsewhere, Lucas is calling out a code red on the walkie talkie, but Max is not interested in talking and shuts it off. Uh, Mike then calls Elle's landline to really get through to them that this is an emergency and he needs Max and Elle to come to his house right away. Unfortunately, they cannot get a hold of Dustin, but they continue to try. um, Because of course, Dustin is currently staking out the Russians and then regrouping with Steve and Robin at the ice cream shop. Uh, so, unfortunately, the only way into the lab where they want to go and see the Russians, like, mystery boxes is past a heavily armed guard. So, they're coming up with plans on how they're going to get into that room. Uh, Steve suggests that he could just take him out, just take out that armed guard. Um, and uh, Dustin and Robin correctly react with... That is uh, a
0: terrible plan! <laughs>
1: with, with, with the, like fact that that is a ridiculous <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. Uh, and then Dustin also like points out, like, hey, Steve, have you ever won a fight? And you're like, no, oh, we've been saying that for two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, Steve and Dustin uh, bicker like brothers, uh, and meanwhile, Robin has a brilliant plan. Uh, we of don't goodness. know what it is at this point, but she grabs some money and runs out of the store and tells Steve and Dustin that she'll be back soon. So, like, really, I mean, this whole Russian plotline would be still at translation stage if Robin had not become involved. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She is definitely a crucial component of success of this entire mission. So. And like,
1: she's a one-woman show, and it's then she just has, true. like, comedic relief with her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, she's pretty funny, too. Like, I guess
1: she really needs them for nothing.
0: (laughs) It's very, very true. I mean, they're good at fighting over the binoculars, and otherwise That's right. I mean, Steve
1: did figure out the music thing. I don't want to take all credit away from the boys, but, like, Robin, you're MVP of this group.
0: Uh, Okay, so Nancy and Jonathan are at Hawkins Post, and they've been called into Tom's office. They're in big trouble. So this is interesting because... We obviously know what's happened to Tom because we've gotten to see it. And his demeanor in terms of the dressing down he gives them doesn't seem to be different than what you might expect were he not possessed by the mind Flayer, But he physically is exhibiting symptoms. <laughs> <So Yes. laughs> he's like sweaty and pale and just like, I mean, Nancy will later say she thinks he was on drugs. Like he doesn't look right. Yeah. Um, But he, you know, talks about journalistic standards and ethics and, you know, really gives them a dressing down and then says that Mrs. Driscoll is a paranoid schizophrenic, which I just thought so underlined Kim our point in the last episode about like, you know, how easy it is to go after someone like Mrs. Driscoll because they can just question her credibility flat out and just like dismiss her um right yes by making up a story this woman doesn't have you know she isn't well connected she isn't doesn't know the right people she's old etc yes
1: um, she's vulnerable and yeah. uh you know mental illness is a very easy scapegoat for many you know <laughs> for for many yeah uh things so uh yeah this is an easy lie to tell and I have no doubt I agree that this is in fact a lie
0: Uh, So he ultimately fires them. So they are now unemployed from their internship job.
1: Um, So I do stand by some version of my theory from last episode when i said that i thought that people's demeanors were going to change significantly uh and that maybe the change in demeanor of the co-workers of nancy's who have been treating her so poorly is going to alert her to the fact that something weird is going on i still stand by that a little bit um because i think that this is tom pre uh ice bath so this is him sweating and unfocused and whatever. I really think that like, this is the same t- time during his integration with the mind flare that we saw Billy at the pool when he was, you know, trying to fight it off or something. I don't think that we're seeing Tom fully mind flayed yet.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good point. I just like, he's like, Billy was almost unfunctioning. Um, Yeah, that is true. He's really struggling. And Tom, if he is kind of struggling back and forth, you know, his daughter did this to him. Like he must feel, if he is conflicted heavily, I don't know, like emotionally responding to that. And I thought the fact that he could give Nancy a dressing down and he could protect, you know, what's happening, which is ultimately all connected, was like indicative that either maybe he's a weaker subject mentally or that maybe it's like further along but i agree with you they don't always appear sweaty like they ultimately turn into very functioning people again right as we've seen with with billy and heather so you're right yeah Yeah.
1: he definitely seemed higher functioning than billy billy did if this is in fact the same sort of time period but yeah physically he looks the way that billy did and i don't think that you're supposed to sort of have as like noticeable a uh a look once the mind flare is fully integrated because sure. obviously like you know nancy noticed that he did not look right but now billy and heather uh, they just look like normal people unless that's of right. course they have superhuman strength and black veins going through their body and they're lifted off the ground in some kind of like paranormal <laughs>
0: that's right as long like, as you don't throw them in a sauna they appear they appear totally
1: normal yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> So at Mike's house, Max and Elle have arrived, uh, and Will is filling them in on this feeling of dread that he's been feeling that has alerted him to the presence of the Mind Flayer. So he says that he's always been able to feel the Mind Flayer's presence, you know, back even when um, he had not yet been possessed, but he was back from uh, from the upside down. So he recognizes this feeling, and that's how he knows that the Mind Flayer is back. Uh, So his theory is that the part of the mind flayer that was inside of him has been trapped in this dimension after L closed the gate. So it's not the full mind flayer. It's just sort of a part of it. But since the mind flayer essentially has a hive mind, I don't know if there's any real difference. Um, So Max is kind of unsure about this theory because she says all the demo all the uh, demo dogs died, so wasn't the whole point that if the mind dies, the body dies. But they don't get into that here. I'm not sure. I, I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. Um, but ultimately, they just decide that they can't take any chances. They have to assume that the Mind Flayer is back. It's looking for another host. And of course, Elle has a pretty good idea based on her recent experiences with Billy of who that host is. And she obviously is not wrong. Yeah. So thoughts.
0: Well, I just... Okay, so I'm going to make a Harry Potter comparison here. So, which I, I feel do. like is widely acceptable in pop culture standards. But, um, you know, like, obviously for seven books, Voldemort is kind of, like, present slash not present. So there's this, like, without getting into this way too intensely. But at some point, he does bring himself back in a physical presence. But for the first few books, he's not present physically. But he's not gone either, you right. know? So, like he his followers are all gone the presence of like the evil that he was doing is all gone etc but he he still exists ultimately from these we learn later uh horcruxes but like the idea that you could be around but not necessarily present like I feel like there's examples of that in pop culture today do you know know what I'm getting at with that example I
1: absolutely do yes and I think that that is a very fair point it's like this uh, omnipresence uh, that has no corporal form until of course it creates one using rat goo and whatever and then I mean ultimately because it doesn't have a corporal form and is kind of like a shadow presence I think that it can exist both in this dimension and in the other dimension simultaneously which we saw it do last season through its possession of will and through the vines and all of that stuff so the fact that part of it is trapped in this dimension doesn't necessarily mean that it's. Uh, I think like a you know like a tiny fleck of the whole. I think that essentially any part of it is the same as all of it. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think like just like in Harry Potter, it took. External factors to bring Voldemort back in his physical form. Right. That is what is happening here, too, where these Russians, like, this is all going to ultimately end up being connected. And the fact that the Agreed. Russians are trying to do this has brought back enough power or you know whatever is happening with all these areas that these russians have acquired um is giving the mind flayer the opportunity to then make a physical form out of all the goo of like things like the rats and take over people's so like it's a perfect culmination of events that has led for it to finally find a place to manifest itself and become dangerous again rather than i agree yes if if the
1: um circumstances weren't weren't exactly right, then it might have always had the a presence in this dimension, but it was wasn't able to act. in in any way yeah um i i do want to like toot our horn a little bit because (laughs) probably probably like unfairly so but i definitely remember that you and i talked about it i can't remember if it was on the podcast but i think that it was when um last season this like cloud dissipated after coming out of will a hundred percent i remember us saying like so should we be worried about that (laughs) I'm of, so glad
0: you remember that because I do not remember that, and I was like, "Oh man, we should have caught the fact that that cloud just went into the ether." Yeah, okay, hundred percent. You, like, you definitely. We said. talked about
1: yeah. that. I tried to find it in the podcast, but um, it it was a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, searching around for trying to find that exact comment. So I really think that it is in our conversation in the podcast, because we don't, we don't generally talk about the show talk too about much, it. Yeah. Um, off, off uh, recording, because we want it to be fresh, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, so I think that it must've been in the podcast, but I absolutely remember saying like, so what do we think about that cloud? Is that like, <laughs> is it just, you know, like, there's just nothing to worry
0: about now or <laughs> no, holy shit. That's season three. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh okay, so next scene. So Hopper barges into the mayor's office while Joyce just completely supports the subsequent police brutality efforts that come out of Hopper. A hundred percent. Like this is rough. So she holds off the secretary, who it then turns out that Mayor Klein is also having an affair with. Um and his interrogation method is brutal really torturous like (laughs) oh man like at this point
1: i'm like oh okay so all my worries about hopper's position as sheriff is really kind of a moot point (laughs) because he clearly does not give a shit i mean i mean like okay so he might lose his position but clearly he doesn't care so i'm not gonna worry about it too
0: much wow yeah and uh you know so he is interrogating Klein, obviously about this Man that he saw leaving his office. And I will say that while I completely am the antithesis of condoning what hopper does here i thought it was awful i had forgotten and i do this every season that hopper is an excellent detective um at his basis and i think i make this comment every season which is that you think he's kind of a bumbling idiot and he's not really yeah. paying attention but this episode just drives back home again how sharp he really is when he puts his mind to it at least like he notices everybody coming in and out he noticed that guy um at the mayor's office you know like he hasn't missed a lot of beats here um now his approach is to then beat the shit out of (laughs) cariel was to find out right what's happening i mean
1: and this is this is not the first time that we have seen hopper use this tactic he beat somebody up pretty badly in season one when he was trying to get to the bottom of who the you know the lab was and this you know secret uh I don't know, society of scientists or whatever. Like, remember when he met the guy in the bar and beat him up?
0: Yes. I think it's just more because, like... Because it's the mayor, like, and Yeah, maybe. I'm just, like, in a power structure thing. But also, like, I mean, I think Mayor Klein is corrupt, but I don't think he's evil, you know? Like, I think he's just dumb and...
1: Yes. And this was way, way more extreme than what happened He really did
0: almost line. cut his finger off. Like, I was yeah. like, we're going to see a finger get chopped off in his cigar you know, cutter for sure here. This is... I really think that this might be
1: like... I mean, we're three seasons in now of, like, they have lost children or almost lost children. They have saved yeah. the world and then saved the world again. It's like, they don't have time for this fucking schmarmy mayor. For sure. Like, yeah. I will cut your fucking finger off if you do not <laughs> help me right now. Because <laughs> the world is literally at stake. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I get it in that sense, but like, oh my god, Homer, like, you're supposed to be the good guy. Like, dial oh, it man. down a little just bit. just like, Joyce like, is ripping, like... ripping cords out of the phone. She's like, Who are you going to call? The police? <laughs> it's like, I mean, fair. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah.
1: I mean, could you imagine like Joyce and Hopper just like slow motion walking down Main Street? They're badasses in town after like
0: this has to be a spinoff i mean yes you know when the kids age out i'll just take joyce and hopper solving crimes oh yeah just like a detective
1: duo slash best couple ever and i mean mean, a hilarious like height difference uh, will (laughs) give it some visual comedy it's gonna be great
0: let's write that (laughs) show i i love it i'm gonna pitch it to netflix yeah (laughs) uh so ultimately um we learned that this motorcyclist um, is part of a group that's been bribing, they work for the mall, so we, we know that, um, and they've been bribing the mayor to arrange for the sale of properties around town, uh, which we're going to hear more about later, but ultimately Hopper brings Klein to find the paperwork, it's not kept in his office, so he's going to ultimately go home um, to find this paperwork. Um, So
1: Nancy and Jonathan are driving home after having been fired. Nancy cannot believe that this was Tom's reaction and that he was not able to see the bigger picture of her story. Uh, But Jonathan, on the other hand is pretty incredulous that Nancy does not seem to have any conception of the impact that this firing has had on him and that her actions, though he agreed to go along with it, but she was very dogged in um, not dropping the story. And we, of course, know that, like, good on you, Nancy, there is a mm-hmm. pretty big story yes. there. Uh, but but Jonathan is uh, accusing Nancy of living in a bubble and not recognizing that there's a real financial impact for him of losing this job that she does not seem to appreciate. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy is uh, not happy at all about the way that Jonathan is talking to her. She says that he sounds exactly like the assholes at the paper and he has no idea what it's like to be humiliated every day at that job so ultimately they're really not seeing eye to eye and it really sounds like they could be on the verge of a breakup Mm -hmm. at the end of this argument though i don't think that it would be permanent they spent too long um coming together to you know break up after four episodes (laughs) so i I think they're on solid ground
0: yeah i do think that this argument brings to light though two perspectives that they don't see of each other's which is that Jonathan has no appreciation for the misogyny that Nancy was really facing like he's very much turning a willingly blind eye to that bullshit like you know he should be just as upset and I think that she comes from a super comfortable you know middle class family where she doesn't have to worry about if she loses her internship like she's not gonna there's no financial implications. And I think that that's not necessarily the case for uh, Jonathan. And of course, exactly. <laughs> Joyce's hardware store doesn't look like it's going to be in business for like a whole
1: lot time. What is she going to do? I mean, like <laughs> yeah. she really should take Hopper up on her, this offer of a job. of uh,
0: Becoming a detective. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah so she would be yeah. so much better than any of those other idiots on, <laughs> on his fork. Yeah.
0: And these two have had, you know, discussions like this before, but I just think like this situation you know, underlined it. And, um, I think they both have, you know, solid points against each other for sure. And I agree with you that I don't think they're permanently split up, but this, uh, is a very tense moment for their, uh, the two of them. Yes. Um, so back at the ice cream shop, Robin, it has returned. And it turns out with that money that she took from the tip jar, she has secured blueprints to the mall where they discovered that they can get into that room via the air ducts, um, which is smart. So uh, there's a great scene about Dustin being able to fit because he has no collarbones because, of course, Dustin's character has the same like, genetic disorder as the actor who plays Dustin, um, which is one of the things is that they develop differently. But it still doesn't fit. I don't know how, like, collarbones necessarily... Like, not right. even like, close. It was... <laughs> So that's not gonna uh, work. But this leads to the fantastic addition of Erica into the group. And I am... Welcome so to the team, her. Erica! Um, I am living for her. When she says you can't spell America without Erica, I, like... Legit laughed out loud. I thought that was so no. Good.
1: Oh man, she is amazing, and she yeah. knows her worth. And she is going to tell them what she needs for it. And her worth is exactly a lifetime supply of ice cream. I
0: I I think that that's worth a lot of money. So agreed.
1: I yeah. Agreed. She's a she is a tough negotiator. <laughs> um. Okay, so the gang is at the pool watching Billy from a distance for signs that he is possessed by the Mind Flayer. Uh, he doesn't seem to be acting weirdly, but as we mentioned previously, he is covered head to toe, which is obviously not normal for him. Um, so Will explains that the Mind flare likes to hide, and he only calls upon his host's when he needs them. So the fact that Billy is acting sort of normal right now, doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't infected by the mind flare. So they don't want to take the risk of waiting for him to be activated. They want to take action immediately. So Mike devises a test to see whether or not Billy is in fact possessed. So he uh, plans to lure Billy into the sauna, crank up the heat and then see how he reacts. And this is a very good plan. Uh, it does not go according Execution
0: to plan. Problem, <laughs> but
1: I mean, I was impressed with the. I mean, this seems like a very straightforward plan that makes a lot of sense. So, good on you, Mike.
0: I love the use of will too, as the this has actually happened to him. You know, um, yeah. And so, rather than rather than be possessed for a third straight season, or at least be the one affected, instead he's able to form this. Great guiding, you know, light for the group to be like, no, this is one of the things I think, and he knows like they don't have to do all this problem solving; it's already done. He is the mind
1: flayer profiler. So if we think of our team as like NCIS. We have, like, the, you know, <laughs> the, the profiler, the enforcer, the tech guy, the, I mean, I don't know who everybody is. I mean, this is occurring to me only in this moment, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is good to have a mind flayer expert on the team, for sure. And, yeah, like, definitely his ability to recognize whether or not the mind flayer is currently controlling a person in their presence, that is an invaluable tool. So, Will, welcome to the team in an active capacity. That's
0: right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're happy you're here. Uh, so, there's a quick scene back at the ice cream shop where Erica is ultimately enlisted, and this is her negotiation, as Kim you have described, um, but she ultimately will do it so that they can investigate the boxes. Um And then maybe just quickly, so Hopper, Joyce, and Klein arrive at the mayor's house where he gets the deeds from his safe. So he clearly keeps them at his house and not at work. Uh, Joyce reviews the lands that have been purchased and they all surround the power plant, which then they connect to the power outage, which started off the magnets not working. Um, And so she is thinking that there's a giant machine like the one Mr. Clark made. So thoughts? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be what we saw in the first cold open. That thing is somehow in Hawkins? Like...
1: Is it? But didn't the general walk outside and he was literally...
0: Oh, yeah. He was in Siberia when they were testing it, for sure. But my thought is, like, did they hear about what happened at the Hawkins lab, realize that some sort of gate had been opened, and therefore are transmitting that machine or have transmitted that machine, moved it to this location, um to then try and do the same thing.
1: Maybe. Yes. Like, I really feel like the whole machine slash electromagnetic field stuff is a real blind spot for me. Um, I cannot form theories about it because I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, like, I don't know what the significance is of having an unstable electromagnetic field other than what they have told us, which is that magnets won't stick. So I'm sure that there are other implications and I don't know. But yeah, I think that it is probably on one of these properties, given that we see later in this episode that the entire room at the mall... Uh, is an elevator that goes underground. I'm thinking they're probably not going to like walk onto a farm and just like see this machine. It's got to be under underground somehow. So they'll probably find it. um, But I don't know. I don't know how Joyce and Hopper might find it uh, unless they go through the same elevator that hopefully at some point, Steve and Dustin and Robin and Erica will hook up with the rest of the group and fill them in on this Russian stuff. Uh, obviously, they will at some point, but right now, nobody has any idea what the other group is doing, really.
0: I know this is always the case. I love this, and then everybody ends up together again. So I'm confident. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so back at the Wheeler House, Karen is having a heart to heart with Nancy after she
1: got fired. Uh, so Nancy is really second guessing the way that she handled the the story now that she heard what Jonathan has to say about it but ultimately she just really wanted to be right uh and of course she is uh but she wanted to be right really badly because if she was wrong she feels like it would just sort of um, prove to the men at the paper that she is what they have uh, accused her of being, which is just you know a kid who doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, and Karen really understands what Nancy's talking about. She recognizes that it is, uh, it is tough out there for sure, especially for a woman in 1985. Um, yeah. And that most people end up just giving up after they get knocked down over and over again, but she knows that Nancy is a fighter and she encourages her to finish her story. Um, so do you envision that this storyline for Nancy is going to be like her acting independently as a journalist and uncovering this story and then publishing it in a big out of town newspaper the way that Karen suggests or is I mean is I love that some... that yeah. she's
0: like go sell it to the state paper like screw the the local town paper um, and I do think that the state paper would be more hopefully, uh, you know, willing to see a big story for what it is. And also this story is about to crack wide open because things are going to go from, you know, being relatively underground to being a little bit more obvious probably here. So right. things are going to get, you know.
1: So is it essentially that like in, in terms of her and Jonathan's involvement in uncovering this mystery in the like, in the saving of the world, if you will. So we have like, Steve and Dustin and and group, they are like finding Russian stuff. Nancy is uncovering fertilizer and chemical things, wrapped stuff. I mean, (laughs) and then we have the Billy possession and then elsewhere we have uh, Hopper and Joyce with magnets. I mean right. like are those the four? So these are the things like so Nancy is going to go down her trail of like rat and fertilizer stuff and then eventually she's going to connect all of these variant pieces together is that the way in which she's contributing?
0: Yeah, because like even the way they combined Mrs. Driscoll with Nancy and the way Billy was acting towards at the end like in a few scenes from here. Yeah. Um like whatever is going to happen to Mrs. Driscoll in the hospital, like things are going to start, this is what I mean. Like things are going to start becoming harder to keep under wraps. Um, Yes,
1: I would like, I would like the stories, like the storylines to start converging sooner than later, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Just a quick note on this scene is that like, can you picture it that at the end of this scene, the camera sort of does a pan out, um, after they have their heart to heart and they give each other a hug in the kitchen and they have yeah. just talked about how uh Nancy gets her strength from Karen and whatever, and then they have sort of a wide shot that pans out. I a hundred percent thought we were gonna see like Ted asleep in a corner, <laughs> like sleeping in his chair uselessly. <laughs>
0: oh, I love the joke when she's like, I get it from Dad. I know. <laughs> 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 oh, that's perfect. Oh, Ted, wake up. Well, and, like, let's give Karen some more interesting stuff to do then, too, because, like, she's really only been kind of mom through this first two seasons. So maybe this would be a chance to, for her to, like, demonstrate some of this. I know, it's so true. About to us.
1: You know what, Karen? Call Joyce. Give Joyce a call. Um, See what <laughs> right. she's doing. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm sure they could use someone on the detective team. that's right oh there's lots to do like i mean hell you could try and keep the sonnet door closed uh in the subsequent scene they could have used more people there
1: (laughs) that's right and karen just comes in and be like
0: oh oh, i'll help (laughs) Uh, my advice to nancy would have been like go see what your brother's up to because he's probably in the heart of it because this is what's happened for the past two two seasons you should really check in with him but i haven't seen him in days and i don't really care (laughs) that he's not around
1: that's right if shit's going down i don't know Find Mike or his, like, psychokinetic yeah. girlfriend.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. So, speaking of which, at the pool, uh, our gang is preparing to trap Billy in the sauna. There's many preparations underway, during which Lucas tries to make amends with Will. And Will just really brushes it off, says there's bigger things to worry about now. Uh, and then another attempted reconciliation is that Mike fesses to Elle that He was lying about his sick Nana and only did it because of Hopper. Um, But Elle is still clearly quite bitter from what she overheard when she was spying on them because she said she references them being different species um, and Mike realizes that she was spying on them so no yeah. reconciliations there
1: like that is a real breach of trust also so maybe you're kind of even and yeah. honestly by the end of this episode i'm pretty sure they've reconciled so <laughs> they like
0: yeah they're... a mere death experience and saving someone's life will really bring people together you know that is true
1: Um, So we have several quick shots here. We see that the mayor has been handcuffed after um, Joyce and Hopper leave. He's found by his wife and then demands a phone. I assume that he is going to call the Russians. Um, Yes, that's not good. Right. Hopper and Joyce are visiting each of the uh, properties that have been purchased by said Russians and checking for a giant machine, but no luck yet. And then uh, back at the mall, Erica is like full operation child endangerment uh, in the air ducts her outfit's
0: know. amazing i love the flashlights like taped to her helmet <laughs> i know <laughs> and she
1: has like the walkie she's dustin's like yeah. microphone i mean she's kitted out like i mean she came prepared um so she makes her way through the air ducts and is successful so they finally get to see what is inside the russian boxes It is canisters of mystery green liquid. More goo. Slash goo. Uh, I like, I mean, I have literally not a single thing to offer about what I think this might be. You?
0: I think it fuels the mystery machine. Okay. That's my thought.
1: Um, Okay, that makes sense. Uh, So suddenly, the room starts to move. They cannot get out. The door will no longer open. And we realize that this entire room is a giant elevator leading down to a secret lab slash bunker, I assume.
0: Agreed. I mean, that's a pretty hefty elevator to build. It's quite an impressive feat of engineering. So, (laughs) yeah. Yes. So we're with Billy. The pool has closed. He's showering by himself. Uh, and ultimately, Mike does a great job uh, luring him into the sauna, having that CPR dummy kind of oh, fake yeah. him out. Yeah, uh, using a, another walkie-talkie. And they successfully trap him in the sauna and crank the heat up.
1: Mike oh, taunting is like horror movie level realness like
0: yeah. it's like oh bailey ha, ha 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 it's
1: like every nightmare of like a ghost child who's like calling to you
0: yeah and the you know creepy evil guy being creeped out is a great uh it's something really fun to experience
1: <laughs> yes although I, I took him to be more angry than scared um. Yes. And I feel like that was real Billy. That wasn't even mind flayer. That is yeah. just like this what Billy like. like. Just, yeah, that's fair. Um. So Nancy is visiting Mrs. Driscoll in the hospital. She poses as her granddaughter to get in. Uh. She reviews Mrs. Driscoll's chart, which I am willing to bet does not say anything about being, uh, schizophrenic. And then suddenly Mrs. Driscoll's heart rate starts to spike, and then simultaneously. Uh, we see that Billy is really starting to feel the effects of the heat of the sauna. So clearly there is a connection between Billy and Mrs. Driscoll. So a connection between all of the possessed mind flayer people,
0: do you think? I mean, I wonder, like, given he, Billy, maybe is like patient zero. We talked about like the virus stuff, um if the mind dies, everything dies, like maybe there's some sort of connection there where Billy kind of needs to keep going in order for everybody to stay connected. Right. I mean,
1: maybe. I definitely, in, in a scene we're going to talk about shortly, I definitely feel like, the mind flayer is drawing strength from Mrs. Driscoll in order to give Billy more strength, which then results in him having these supernatural powers. So it's like draining the life out of Mrs. Driscoll in order to get Billy back up on his feet after he was hit or whatever, you know, like and, and like funneling all the power to him. So maybe this is just more of that. The fact that her heart rate starts to spike at the same time that Billy is um starting to feel the effects of the sauna. Maybe just on a smaller scale at this point, they're redirecting some strength and power from Mrs. Driscoll to sort of help Billy be um more powerful. Uh but I think that there definitely at least between Mrs. Driscoll and Billy, there is there is a connection here where he is getting stronger while she is getting weaker, I think.
0: Well and maybe like him be more powerful, but also um fight the fight billy himself like this does seem to be real billy who is apologizing yes. um because in this next scene right he's feeling the effects he's screaming out he says that Max to max that a shadow has made him do bad things but it's not his fault um and so the mind flare also needs to get more strength like i like that idea because it needs to fight billy too right, right? to suppress like it's, him it's, yeah right yeah that makes
1: sense for sure um so yes he is like you know crying and uh telling max that it wasn't his fault and then it's only like after he has been crying for a bit that to your point then with the hair on the back of will's neck stand up and then he recognizes billy is being activated so prior to that presumably everything is just real billy despite the fact that i think the mind flare is always present Billy had some control over his faculties.
0: I agree. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, Billy smashes through the window of the door of the sauna and then Lucas knocks him back with, uh, with his wrist rocket. Uh, and then this is where the lights flicker and Billy gets back up on his feet and he's covered in dark black veins and now has supernatural level strength while simultaneously Mrs. Driscoll is then also covered in black veins and she begins like wailing in the hospital.
0: So, he smashes through the door. Um, Elle uses her powers to immobilize him, but he is ultimately too strong. He overpowers Elle and is choking her. Uh, Like, this goes pretty far. (laughs) I was kind of like... I know. I was like, like, someone do something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But Mike knocks Billy off of her in the nick of time and when Billy then makes a move to hurt Mike, Elle is able to gather her strength and slams Billy through the brick wall and out like outside, which is remarkable. Yeah. Um, And, you know, to your point about them reconciling, like there's this great, like Elle collapses basically into Mike's arms. And I think that everybody watching who has been like annoyed by the kissing, you know, it's, it's just such a great piece of putting it into context that these two have a, this tremendous connection and, B be, have been through shit together. Um, yeah. and have once again like saved each other's lives.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, literally in this scene, they saved each other's lives in the span of five That's minutes. Right. Mike saved L, and while well, everyone Elle else just Mike.
0: stood around, like, like I, exactly, you know, exactly.
1: Yeah. I actually couldn't believe how long it went on that he that Billy was uh, choking L before someone did something. And I get it. I mean, no one person in that room, aside from L, would have the ability to take Billy on one by one, one on one. Right. But uh, but still, <laughs> like Mike, thank God you did something. And then I don't think that it's a coincidence that it was only when Mike was being threatened that Elle was able to gather her strength to a point that she was able to um, disable Billy because prior to that she she um, struggled to do so so I think that it was like it was you know a moment of super strength for her because the man she loved was in danger so Yeah. yeah I loved the moment that we had of them you know, together afterwards. And I am going to stop being annoyed by their awkward preteen. Agreed.
0: Kiss. It's yeah. I'm fully. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um. So then of course, back at the factory, Billy is getting bandaged up by Heather. She asks about Elle and Billy confirms that yes, it was her. So uh, clearly the mind flayer is looking to confirm that Elle is in fact the person who closed the gate um, last season. I actually realized that I'm, I misspoke, I think in our last, podcast because i was saying that like oh the mind flayer must be more powerful now that it has a corporal form in this dimension because it recognizes l um in the current state and didn't recognize her last season but i realized that like i was i don't think that will who would have been essentially the mind flayer's host will and l weren't in the same (laughs) room together all last season so i was thinking that like oh you know like will uh and the mind player in will was not able to recognize like l's power or what l was doing last season but of course like they were never in the same room so either way i misspoke a little bit when i when i uh mentioned that but ultimately he he knows now that l is the one that is the real big bad here that is his big bad at least um and uh probably his only real threat uh to taking over the entire dimension so Clearly, Elle is on his radar. And then Billy complains that, like, Elle could have killed him. And Heather agrees, like, yes, she could have. But she wouldn't have killed us. Um, meaning her and all of the other uh, yeah. infected people. And Billy himself, the part of Billy that is the mind flayer. Because I think that ultimately, you know, they don't probably consider themselves, at least the mind flayer portion of them, considers themselves to be, like, you know, that hive mind that it's all one being in many forms. And so uh, even if Billy, the person died, the, you know, the part of him that is the mind flare would have lived on.
0: Yeah. So this, and of course we get this great camera pan out. So you see all these people who have been affected, which of course is far more numerous than we've seen. So we know that this has been happening behind the scenes and they're singing we'll meet again, which I, my biggest pop culture connection to that is dr strange love it's the final scene of dr strange love but i'd be interested in people like there's a it that has been in a ton of things um so I don't know if it was a reference to that or something else, but if people have thoughts, do let us know. Kim, I don't know if you had any kind of reactions to that ending. To be song, honest, but... I
1: mean, I 100% uh I I know that I have experienced that song in a number of things, but I couldn't think yeah. of anything specific that um yeah. that it uh tied it to to be honest i actually thought that it was from the shining so i went to a different kubrick movie so maybe i was thinking <laughs> dr strange love so
0: on the same thread yeah yeah exactly yeah.
1: um but uh in in any case uh i think that it is not going to be too far in the future before the whole town is mind played so yeah uh good luck gang <laughs> yeah. but that was good that was a great episode um I am really enjoying the direction that they're going in in this episode. I continue to be very pleased (laughs) about the decision to not do the Lab Brenner-Cali storyline that I thought they were going to do this season. Um, Last season, I remember saying that we both were on the same page, that the Mind flare was obviously not gone that final shot of it watching them right uh through the upside down made that perfectly clear but i thought we were gonna be taking a break from the mind flare and that this season was going to be all like cali and Brenner stuff and i'm just so glad that it's not i find this so much more interesting uh than yeah. than that so yeah loving it
0: yeah it was definitely the hardest episode to not watch the next one so i'm really excited that we uh have been through now episode four and we will continue again tomorrow with Number five, thanks to everyone for listening along with us. Again, if you want to leave us a rating or review, that would be amazing on your podcast app of choice. Uh, and leave us a note at kjrecaps.com slash feedback. Find us on Facebook Facebook and Twitter at kjrecaps. And until tomorrow, Kim, we will uh, sign off and now go do some more Stranger Things watching.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.